Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation and is a graduate of both Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she earned her master's degree in social gerontology. So you're a social kind of person. I'm very, I'm very social. Yeah, I was um, just thinking, because this is my 30th year in the field wow. of aging, covered a lot of ground. And you finally got to the level where you... Almost are aging. Yeah, that's right. I'm soon to be eligible for my own services. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's right. You hang around long enough. Now, one of the issues we're going to take up this half hour uh, with Elaine Birchall is the question of hoarding. And in the work you used to do where uh, you ran the uh, uh, Area Agency on Aging here in Barrick County, did you come across hoarding among seniors and caregivers and care recipients? Oh, multiple times. I'm sure that there are a lot of our listeners out there who are thinking, oh, hoarding. They know someone. They've got a family member. I can remember um, a client that had newspapers. It was like a canyon walking through every room of her house, and she had, had to move out of her bedroom into a live into the living room where her bed was kind of in the fireplace, and then it was surrounded on all sides wow. by newspapers. And the uh, bed company was kind of threatening to come in and take the bed away from her. Um, they said that she Medicare couldn't cover the bed, and they were going to take her right out of it and the bed. I was like, good luck yeah. <laughs> getting the bed out of the house. Wow. <laughs> and well, good luck anyway. We're delighted to welcome Elaine Birchall. To our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline, she has a master's in social work, studying hoarding behavior, and is an intervention specialist and co-author of Conquer the Clutter. Hey, Elaine, thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. For those who don't know anyone, or maybe they are not a hoarder, what is it and what does it mean? So for something to be a hoarding situation, there have to be three criteria that are met, even to a minimal degree. The first is there must be what most people would describe as an excessive accumulation, and I say a failure to resolve that proportionately. Now, that doesn't mean the one thing in, one thing out. If you're able to do one thing in and one thing out, you're probably nowhere at this point in your life on the continuum of having to worry about hoarding. The second criteria is some or all of the living spaces cannot lo- no longer be used for their intended purpose. You're still living in the environment, but you're making all kinds of very troubling and risky adaptations. And the third criteria is somebody's distressed, or if they knew the truth about the condition of the property, they would have a legitimate cause to be concerned and distressed. Now, that can mean your mortgage company, your house insurance, your neighbor who is at more risk than you are, uh, whatever risk level you're at, because they don't know to take extra precautions and that their, in case of emergency exit, really needs to be much faster than they believe. It can also be family, those people who love you, care about you, want to take care of you, want to help and frankly are so overwhelmed and afraid 
to offend or um, to damage the, the relationship, that they're as stuck as the person hoarding. Now, it's been recognized as a true psychiatric disorder, has it not? It's, it's a mental health disorder in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health Disorders, as of May 2013. And the reason that's so important, Ron, is that at that point, given if hoarding a behavior is sufficiently problematic to the functioning of the individual, the safe functioning of the individual, it can constitute um, a disorder. And so as such, qualifies for reasonable accommodation under human rights legislation. So, which, which is important, the accommodation is important. Um, when, when this occurs, is, there's, a, there's a feeling that maybe this is something that happens with low-income people or people who don't have a lot, and so that's what triggers it. it would that be true? No. No, that's a, a very a commonly held misconception that it necessarily happens because of trauma or deprivation. There are three paths, Carol, to hoarding. One is genetics. We do know that, um, any, depending on whose research you listen to, anywhere from 50 to 84% of individuals who hoard have a first-degree family relative who hoard. That means a mother, father, sister, brother. When you add to that the power of modeling behavior, if you grew up in a chaotic, cluttered environment or a hoarded environment, it was to that extent, then it's pretty hard to hit the target if you don't know what the target looks like. And so the chance of that behavior, being vulnerable to that behavior, does increase. We also know that there are three chromosomes with markers in common, and we actually know which chromosomes those are. And where there's a family history of OCD behavior, I'm not even sure it has to be actually diagnosed. Just OCD, sufficient OCD traits. There's a fourth chromosome that Johns Hopkins did a collaborative study about. Um, so genetics is a big is a big component. The second. Well, let me let me let me just stop on genetics quickly, okay. simply because you're calling to mind a relative of mine that I believe was a hoarder, you know, right. certainly well on her way to becoming a hoarder. And I always thought, in my family we've had this discussion, that that other relatives would not be, would, would be so repulsed by the environment that they grew up in that they would be the opposite. But they're not. They're the same. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is probably surprising to many, not to me. Um, because um, we are like our group. We share values, we share perceptions, we share attachment patterns. We're taught attachment patterns. Um, We're just the values that we grow up with and that we're taught. We integrate. There are family stories, Carol, that get carried down about um, the importance of these items, you know, whether it's the family piano or all of the records, all of the whatever we have brought with us from our history and, and our, our relatives' histories, our ancestors' histories. And we, we don't demand, but we put pressure on vulnerable family members who are receptive to that, that they become the curators. In our book, 
we we highlight um, often missed uh, vulnerabilities for ways that people get set up because, out of obligation, out of duty, out of love, um, to end up replicating the very thing they lived with that they didn't want in their life. Well, and I think that makes that makes sense when you explain it that way. Let me remind folks who have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host Carol Zorni, and we're talking on the Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Elaine Birchall, Masters in Social Work and an expert on hoarding. And, and I want to go back to something Carol mentioned at the very, very beginning, Elaine. Uh, someone she knew had gone into a house, loaded up with newspapers, tunnels through the house, papers piled to the ceiling. Now, it doesn't, the hoarding doesn't begin like that. It begins with one newspaper. How does it get out of hand? Oh, Ron, it became, it, it was there before the first newspaper. The, the outward manifestation of the environment is the, um, is the outward manifestation of the way the person thinks, their thought process, their functioning. So when you're looking at newspapers, you're look, and you're looking at that volume of newspapers, that volume of anything, but newspapers are interesting because um, they are kept for a number of reasons. When I see people who um, gravitate to information or complete sets or the security of being informed, knowledgeable, they have keen, curious minds, and they, they are the consumers of data and information, I automatically wonder whether in that family line there is any element of um, OCD behaviors because when you're looking at the volume, generally, not always, people do have other reasons, but one of the biggest reasons I find is the security of knowing that they have complete sets of information and history um, of it doesn't matter what it is, whatever that newspaper um, specializes in. And the more there, there is no off switch. When you need complete sets, when you need that security of knowing, even though I haven't read the newspaper, I know it's there. And if I need it, I will... I will be able to find it. And sometimes they can. Sometimes they can. I, I want to dispel another myth, though, and that is that hoarded environments are necessarily squalid, dirty, or disorganized. They're not. Um, there are individuals who hoard. It's about the excessive accumulation and the failure to resolve that so that you create generally there is no off switch. All right, hoarders don't wake up one morning with whatever they focus on and think, gee, I have enough. And so because there's no off switch, they go on to create for themselves and anyone living in close enough proximity. Um, often unhealthy situations and definitely unsafe situations, but they can be, sometimes they're as neat as a pin and sometimes they are as they're better organized than my office, frankly. Um, it's not about the dysfunction or the lack in the individual. It's not 
I have some very, very high-functioning people who are in alarming hoarding situations. All right, stay with me. We're going to come right back to you, and I want to talk as well about some of the strangest things you have seen hoarded. We tend to think of the ordinary stuff like newspapers and magazines, but I'll bet there's more. Coming your way on Caregiver SOS On Air, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel, Elaine Birchall, Masters in Social Work with us, and she is an expert on hoarding behaviors. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical for the quality of life. WellMed Radio, Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. We are so pleased you are with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, and delighted to have you with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and our very special guest on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. We are talking with Elaine Birchall, and she is an expert in hoarding behaviors and hoarding. Her book is Conquer the Clutter. And uh, having at one time, Carol uh, and uh, Elaine, been in a home that was uh, someone who hoarded, uh, it, it was cleaning supplies, mostly kitchen, everywhere you looked, from powders to boxes of uh, whatever, and that was her item and items that she collected. I'm sure you've seen some amazing stuff in your experience, Elaine. Um, I have seen some very, very interesting expressions of being so overwhelmed the person doesn't know how to resolve it yet. What are some of the more interesting ones you found? Well, interesting, with a really interesting one, uh, if I can talk a little bit about it, is what you just said, Ron. Um, I had a client who did exactly the same thing, lovely young woman. And um, so I wanted to understand it. I wanted to see it through her eyes. And so we went to the grocery store together, and you could see the excitement and fear to some extent, um, reactions physically in her as we approached the aisle where the cleaning items were. And I thought, Elaine, just keep your mind open. This is a sensible person. Um, She's ill. Um, She's overwhelmed. She's stuck. But she has a reason. And let's see if we can't see it through her eyes. When she started to explain to me the attraction of these different products, Ron, I started to wonder why we all didn't do it because it was the marketing, the lighting was so supportive of creating interest and excitement, and the colors were all primary colors. The the pitch on the bottles and the boxes made it sound like this was the solution to world peace. You know, this will do this for you and. If you happen to be someone who has perhaps an extreme need for cleanliness, which speaks to another comorbidity, right, you would want that. And so it, it triggers those individuals particularly who are vulnerable to those messages because they are so keenly uh, developed. 
And, you know, I can't go down an aisle in a grocery store any longer without being surprised at how many bottles are still left on the on the shelves. It, when you start seeing things through the perception of the individual in an attempt to understand what the attraction is, what the need is, what the trigger is, it is all understandable, Ron. That's fascinating. You know, with the with the colors, I absolutely get that because I, I actually, I mean, there are aisles on the store and cleaning products are actually one of those things that they all look, they do, they look so helpful. Don't you know, clean. they do, the they, I can understand that they look helpful <laughs> and they're going to make my life better and more is better of the better. So what I've been looking for. It also you know? gets, yeah. it gets um, to your point so that. Some of the other, some of the other sadder and, and um, perhaps less usual things are used products that, um, for instance, a room filled, not no exaggeration, with used plastic bags, rooms that are bigger than a master bedroom suite that are just for recycling. Um, so you want to understand it isn't about the recycling. It's about what is the value, the belief, the goal that this individual has that is in overdrive. They're stuck in overdrive. And what is the need behind that? Um, other things like, um, I guess it's in the volume of it, um, garbage. I'm, I'm working with, um, you know, we were talking about poverty. Uh, you would think that a millionaire would not collect garbage. It wouldn't have any need for garbage. But when you understand it through the eyes of that person, their intent when they go out is to pick up clutter and litter. Unfortunately, there's an overdrive need that isn't factored in with that noble goal. Like, truly, that's their goal. And if you understood their history, you would understand the, the rational, functional reason why they would do that. And then, but they're not living in that situation any longer. So it's an old goal that was noble and good and functional that is out of its time and out of its place and is overridden by a comorbidity, an, an other, another mental health disorder. Not These people aren't necessarily any sicker than... Your, your doctor, your lawyer, your banker, your teacher, your, your other professional, um, because they also hoard. Um, but now there's no off switch because they have perhaps a certain degree, a certain level of OCD, or in his case, kind of a mix of OCD and Asperger's. Um, high functioning, though. And so it's in that desire to clean it perfectly, to put it back out so it's ready, that's where the downfall happens. That's the, where the buildup happens. With the garbage, you got to get it all ready to be picked up, but it's that's never right, ready. because it's just filthy. Yeah, it's and not it's ready yet. And, and wow. Journey well, on the street. Well, I, I interrupted you. You were talking about the three causes... Um, you talked three about gen- uh, we don't three paths. Sorry, three paths. Yeah. Three paths to hoarding. <laughs> yeah. One was genetics, and yeah. what so were the, the other two? Is having a high risk comorbid factor, other mental health or physical health um, problem, um, and so you've got 
at things. I mean, these are functional people, though. People live with these disorders, and they excel. They also sometimes hoard and excel. Um, so you're looking at things like, think of how many people have depression and anxiety. Half the Western world has depression and anxiety. That is a risk factor for hoarding. ADD, ADHD, social anxiety, bipolar, some of the more psychotic schizophrenia, um, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, there are a few others. Um, if you ha- it, it, and we list them all in the book right. and resources. So if you have one of those other factors, for instance, physical illnesses, Carolyn Ron, Parkinson's, MS, there's a certain point at which you get Parkinson's brain and MS brain, and the cognitive function deteriorates some, and in some cases, people will go on to hoard. Well, if so, um, if you're the caregiver, because I know um, before we came on air, you were saying that there were some tips if you're a mm-hmm. caregiver of someone who is a hoarder, and you talked about the relationship right. can be complicated, what suggestions would you have? So one of the first suggestions I would have um, is good self-care, because when you see those individuals who are supporting or trying to intervene with uh, an individual who probably has been hoarding for a while, um, it can be very overwhelming and it can also be very discouraging. So when you're trying to intervene to help an individual, understand that it isn't about cleaning out their place, all right? That, that also may have to happen depending on how severe it is, but what you're really trying to do is to understand and help that individual change their relationship to their things so that they can realize themselves, they can integrate the fact that they don't actually perhaps want or need this many things and help them find in the sorting process that I, I developed, um, I started from a position of respect. It's not my place to tell somebody unless it's irreplaceably contaminated um, what is important and, and what is valuable to them. And so coming from a position of respect, not from our own values, not from our own perspective, helping that individual find what I call in the sorting process the one, two, threes, okay, those things that you absolutely love. They mean the most to you. You can't imagine your life would be poorer without it in, in, a, in a value, in, a, in an experience, experiential way. Um, and so fi- helping them find those things and then helping them understand that all of our things are on a continuum, right? And now go to the other extreme. Once they've experienced this, yeah, those are, I love that, oh, my gosh, but, you know, I want that right forefront because when I look at it, it really expresses who I am. It just fills me with joy. Not to be mistaken with the Marie Kondo um, joy um, policy. What, what does that mean? Well, with an, with an individual who hoards, advice that you should only have those things that spark joy is a very um, problematic principle to be living with. Because 
way too many things. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Everything makes you happy. Yeah. Well, every because you're so overwhelmed, you're looking for any relief, right? So when you're sorting, help the person, when you're working with them, help them identify those things that are uppermost in importance for them. And then go to the other end of the spectrum, the 7, 8, 9, 10s, and help them identify those things that comparatively, if something has to go, this doesn't rage in comparison. All right? And then the 4, 5, 6s are in the middle. And those 4, 5, 6s are, in a perfect world, I'd want to keep them. But what is closest to the 1, 2, 3s? And then help that person try to figure out, just to vision, where the permanent space would be. Because each thing, time and space is finite. And so each thing, if you're going to be able to, to use it and access it and enjoy it, needs to have a permanent place in your home. All right, got to stop you right there. Flat out of time. Oh, my gosh, oh, and we haven't no. heard the whole... That went oh, too, too I know. fast. It's we, great. There's so much we'll more to We'll have to, to have you back. Conquer the Clutter. It's in the book. <laughs> Conquer the Clutter, available on Amazon. Hey, thanks. I'm sorry. Just flat out of time, and we're having so much fun listening. You take care, Elaine. Virtual, we'll get you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernil. Delighted to have you aboard right here on 930 AM, The Answer, Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.